Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Fred and Lou Hartwig family, Peter and Barbara Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize, and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees. And by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Ruckheads join me shortly on our topics this week. Pro-life, pro-choice, pro-litigation. Profound demographic changes hit an academic icon. And Governor Kelly hits back at GOP legislators, plus roast and toast. But we're going to start with our Newsmakers segment and look at one of the city council races to be decided on June the 18th. Our guest is a candidate in the 4th District, which includes downtown Midtown and the Country Club Plaza. The election will be decided by district voters, not citywide. And joining us now to talk about his campaign is Jeff Jolly. Mr. Jolly, welcome to Ruckus. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So uh, you have an interesting background. You're a firefighter and an attorney. Yes. Talk a bit about yourself and uh, how you happen to get into this race. Sure. I was uh, born and raised here in Kansas City and uh, had gone off to college in Atlanta and returned to Mizzou for law school. But uh, while I was at Mizzou, 9-11 happened. So that changed the trajectory of my life. I ended up uh, watching men and women go off to New York to help uh, with the recovery efforts. And so I went in and asked, joined uh, a fire department in Columbia and, and joined a FEMA search and rescue team that I'm still a member of today. And so when I came back to Kansas City, I started working for Congressman Cleaver uh, for 14 years and in the process joined the Kansas City Fire Department. So you're a firefighter yep. and do you also have a legal practice? I, well, so I don't practice law. I'm really good at referring people to uh, to more qualified attorneys. Okay, I, I suspect there are several issues that interested you yes. to cause you to yep. get into the race. Uh, in the interest of time, tell us your two top issues of concern. Well, I think we need to make sure that we have a city hall that's responsive to its citizens, that gets back to addressing kind of some of the basic city services that we've been promised as taxpayers. And, you know, creating a safe neighborhood, public safety is certainly important to me. Um, but then addressing our infrastructure needs. We've seen, you know, uh, failing infrastructure around our community for too long, and it's something I look forward to tackling. Are you backing either of the two candidates for mayor, endorsing either one? No, they're both good friends of mine, and so I look forward to working with either one of them. One is from the 4th District. She is. You hope to represent. Yes. The other has been endorsed by the Firefighters Union. Indeed. So you have uh, probably mixed loyalties there. Well, like I said, I'll, I'll be able to work with either one of them. And, and frankly, I think the city's in, in good shape that we have uh, two quality candidates. What about the crime issue? A lot of violence, a lot of homicides. Some people think one of the answers would be to have a locally appointed police board yeah. instead of one appointed by the governor. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, crime's, crime's a, a major issue in our city. It's something as a firefighter we see every weekend, shootings, stabbings, assaults. Um, those are things that I respond to as a firefighter, so they're, they're not just numbers on a sheet of paper to me. They're memories and experiences. I think having local control would be helpful. Um, I know a number of officers in our community, and they're good and decent people, and, and the police commissioners have done uh, wonderful work. But ultimately, I think it would increase the accountability and some cost savings and efficiency by having local control. Some people say that there are too many taxes in Kansas City, <laughs> property tax, sales tax, earnings tax mm -hmm. in the Country Club Plaza, for example, community improvement districts with 
higher sales taxes, the Transportation Development District with higher sales taxes. Do you think Kansas Cityans are taxed enough? I, th I think we're reaching that ceiling. I mean, I think if you listen to businesses and when you go out, I'm, I've been out knocking on doors and talking to voters at community forums, they're telling you, hey, we, we're, we want us to, to hit the pause button for a minute. We're, we're feeling like we're taxed too much. So we're, we're right there. Whether we, we've crossed the threshold or not, I don't know. Well, we hear a lot of complaints from people concerning big ticket items mm -hmm. and the city giving tax increment financing deals to big businesses. Some of those big ticket items are in the district you hope to represent. Indeed. So are you opposed to those? Well, I'm not opposed to, to big ticket items. I think I think the issue is how do what's the return on our investment as a taxpayer? And so, you know, if we can see that the city can put in a certain amount of money, whether it's through a tax increment financing to create economic development, um, you know, I'm I'm in favor of that. But ultimately, we need to take a more strategic approach, look at things um, in the grand scheme of how they impact the entire budget, and all we have a lot of demand, a lot of need in the city, and only so many resources. Are we going to see the streetcar reach the Country Club Plaza in the near future? I anticipate that that will happen. I mean, it's ultimately going to rely on some federal funding, significant federal funding. Um, but you know, Kansas Cityans overwhelmingly seem you know want seem to want it, and you know, I think that there's a, a strong argument. Well, when you it. can ride it free, it's pretty popular. Indeed, indeed. All right. Thanks very much for coming for in. Good me. luck on your campaign. Appreciate it, Mike. Uh -huh. That is 4th District City Council candidate Jeff Jolly. We'll meet his opponent on our next program. Now let's meet the panel and start a ruckus. <laughs> Arthur Benson is a longtime and prominent Kansas City attorney. Denidre Herbert is a journalist with the Sentinel website, part of the Kansas Policy Institute. Terry Riley is a former city councilman and now heads Transformation Consultants. And attorney Steve Marakian is with the firm of Worsh, Hobbs & Marakian. And Steve has recently been named Kansas Coordinator of the Mika Brzezinski Fan Club. <laughs> I think Denidri wants to join, as a matter of fact. He's and I'm not sure yet. Uh, before Wednesday's tornado, the big news this week in Jeff City, Kansas City, and in cities across the country was not really anything new in American society, the battle over abortion rights. Missouri has joined several other states in passing laws that restrict women's options about when abortions can be performed legally. This seems a coordinated effort by pro-life supporters to get a case to the U.S. Supreme Court to challenge Roe v. Wade, the landmark decision that established abortion as a constitutional right. The ACLU, Planned Parenthood, and other pro-choice groups are filing court cases hoping to block the laws. So Steve, long term, do you see any serious likelihood that the U.S. Supreme Court is taking steps to overturn Roe v. Wade? No, it's not going to happen. I mean, Roe, in my opinion, is, is simultaneously one of the most important and one of the most poorly reasoned decisions the Supreme Court has ever issued. It, it ranks right up there with Dred Scott and perhaps the Griswold decision. They, they just created things out of, out of some mystical mix of religion and philosophy because, Justice Blackman said, we don't have the science to know. So he created something which he thought was a constitutional right. Roe is not going to be overturned. But the conservatives need to essentially step back and recognize that they don't want Roe overturned. Roe is their strongest weapon right now because if you read Roe, and I know Arthur's read it, most of the commentators have never read it, okay? But Arthur's read it, and I've read it. Roe 
gives the conservatives exactly what they want. Because what Roe says is, you know, you and I, Mike, are science deniers because of climate change. We're science deniers. Roe says, basically, we have to have this trimester approach because we don't have the science to tell us when the fetal tissue has become, essentially, has traits of being a human being. Now that we know that as early as maybe 10 weeks, you have heartbeat, brain function, can feel pain, and human characteristics, then if you look at Roe, what you say is, scientifically, laws that would say, after 15 weeks, you cannot abort except in the most extreme circumstances, those are perfectly legitimate within the Constitution. All right, Arthur, did you read Roe v. Wade? I did okay. years, years well, ago. I have represented Planned Parenthood here in Missouri and Kansas for 27 years, and I, I think this latest upswelling um, is, is explainable but a mistake. Um, and support for Roe v. Wade among both Republicans and Democrats is in the 60%. And the Supreme Court, I think, is unlikely to take on a case that is so dramatically uh, in opposition to this. So it's just not going to happen. A lot of people misunderstand the Supreme Court decides what cases it wants to hear. There's no guaranteed route to the U.S. Well, what's going to happen is these these cases are going to get those laws are going to get overturned by the courts of appeals. And then the Supreme Court's going to decline to hear them. Right. And so the law is going to be favorable to pro-choice. This is not going to be decided anytime soon because when life begins, it's essentially a religious and ethical question. It's not really scientific. And we're going to fight this out. And eventually we're going to have states like Washington and Kansas that, that protect abortion. We're going to have states like Missouri and Alabama that prohibit it. I, I'm hoping we can stop with the lawyer talk since I'm the only woman here. And I actually have read the decision myself and um, he argues about when personhood be when personhood is and I actually disagree that personhood starts at when the when the baby can feel pain when the baby can't you if scientifically when you look at a sperm when you look at an egg and when you look at a zygote you can tell that they belong to three different people so I think the science is where we need it to be now will the Supreme Court overturn it I don't know but the, the science is where we need it to be, and I don't know why anybody who supports life would say, well, we, this is where we want it. No, well, you know, we part, don't. You know, part of the problem, Terry, I think, is there's no real middle ground that both sides can agree upon. Yeah, because it's used as a political tool. You're anti-life, I'm pro-life. And the truth of the matter is a lot of people that say that they're pro-life, they're pro-death uh, penalty. And so I, I, I just don't understand. Yeah, I'm pro-life, but I'm pro-death penalty, so I'm going to kill you if you're alive. So what and you're so saying the truth that... of the matter is this. Women should have the opportunity to choose for themselves. And since Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve will acquire sin and death, and so God gives you the choice to do whatever you want to do, and the ultimate decider is God himself and not people here on now this Now, that earth. is science. Yeah. No, I, I disagree with, with Terry entirely. The, the reason is, it's very simple, okay? We kill people in capital punishment because they are guilty. A child is innocent. It's totally different. But what we have here is there, there is a middle ground. Let's not kid ourselves. First trimester? There, the 80-some the 80, 80 percent of Americans think third trimester, not just the last ninth month, third trimester abortion is wrong. About 60 to 65 percent think that there should be nothing after about the 20th week. That is, and I agree with Denitri, I personally believe life begins at conception. I personally believe that, but I don't make the laws. I realize there are people who don't. We have a middle ground which says, basically, up to about the 15th week, when we now know scientifically 
we have pain, we have brain function, we have heartbeat, we have a human being. After that, abortion should be limited to extreme circumstances. Let me stop here for just a second, wrap this up quickly. Kansas may have become a haven for people seeking abortions. Yeah. Yes, it makes me Why? physically ill because we have a Supreme Court that is completely out of touch with the people who live in Kansas. It's completely <clears throat> out of touch with, uh, well, they're completely in touch with the political process. They are a political organization that does not require um, being elected, and they've decided to step in it. Kansas is going to be ground zero And you will see this again. The court found a constitutional right in Kansas right. for abortions. Out of whole cloth, uh, just made it up. Constitution written in 1850. And you'll see an amendment in Kansas. This is one yeah. where yep. there will be an amendment effort right. to the Constitution. The iconic Lincoln Prep High School in Kansas City is undergoing demographic and cultural changes that cause optimism and hope for some and frustration and disappointment for others. Lincoln Prep has long been a school where the student body is predominantly African-American where some of the city's most famous and successful African-Americans were educated. Charlie Parker and Ollie Gates, to name but a couple. Now, shifting population trends and other factors indicate that the school's student body will soon be more white and Hispanic than African-American. Some students and educators are concerned. Others see this as a great symbol of progress. So, Terry, is the school's changing racial makeup good news or bad news? I mean, diversity is always good, and, and a lot of people don't truly uh, believe in diversity because they just say, hey, we got one uh, African-American, we have one black female. Oh, that's diversity. I had the opportunity to speak with the superintendent and also of Kansas City, Missouri, and people that attended uh, Lincoln and some that attend now. Uh, Forty-one percent of the uh, middle-class families, African-Americans, moved out of Kansas City in the past 10 years. So that's where you see a significant impact. And the 16,000 people that have moved downtown over the last decade and a half. And so now you see the change in diversity. The one thing, uh, uh, the demographics, the one thing I would like to see is some of the cultural things that uh, young people get from Lincoln uh, Academy, such as uh, a band at Lincoln Academy is a little bit different than uh, it may be at uh, Raytown or Lee Summit. It will be a little bit different from Blue Springs. Uh, the uh, debate clubs, just some of the cultural programs. Black history is 24-7 at Lincoln, not just uh, 30 days, uh, 28 days at uh, like February. And so there's a lot of things that are there. Teachers that, uh, and parents that get intrinsically involved in their children uh, look at being successful from day one walking through there, the, there uh, couldn't be a better day to have Arthur Benson on ruckus than now when we're discussing this now That's what you dealt with for years as the plaintiff's attorney for the children and the Kansas City school desegregation case went on for years cost billions of dollars is this the goal? Is it not the goal? Well, Terry's right. What's going on is driven largely by demographics, and it's good. We, Lincoln is unusual because it's the only high school that has an admission requirement. And it's well known among blacks and whites that kids do better when they come from middle-class families. And we've, we've experienced over the last 10 years a lot of middle-class blacks moving to Grandview and Center and Lee Summit where they run into a racial buzzsaw out there. And, and at the same time, we have more uh, 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 non-blacks moving back into Kansas City. And so the, the demographic 
um, ratios at Lincoln are changing, and it's, and it's generally good. But it, what is overwhelmingly good is that racial integration predominantly helps minority students. It does not harm white students, but uh, there is a lot of data that's been gathered over the last 40 years about uh, educational success, employment success, and uh, avoiding law enforcement. So does this make you feel like your lawsuit uh, was worth it all? Well, well it, it, absolutely. Okay. I mean, it was one of the most successful integration lawsuits uh, in the nation until the Supreme Court, five to four for it, reversed five to four against it. All right, Denitri, some people seem to have disappointment over this change. Uh, do you underststand that? No, I don't. It actually makes me physically sick. <laughs> I, well, I, please, well, not on the program. Well, not, Maybe not here. I won't, I won't actually vomit, <laughs> but it, it disgusts me that we were even talking about it. I understand the cultural implications, but those should be not, those should be. Um, almost grassroots, like bubble up from who is there. Like the culture is who is there, and that is, um, it's just okay. There's not a black culture or a white culture. There's a Lincoln prep culture, whatever that may be. And I, and I think it might change somewhat based on the demographics. But I don't think you should change your um, admission standards or or rework how you do things simply to preserve something that ultimately, if we really want to live in a diverse society where we can all really get along and understand one another. We just have to be together and find some, some, some place in the middle. So, Steve, is this good news for the community or questionable news? I think on balance it's good news from the standpoint that I I'm have, lo have long been an adherent to, I believe it was Justice Marshall, who said that, you know, that, that we should be a colorblind society. And I realize that we can't always be, and I realize that there are cultural things that are important, and I have no problem with, with a, a school that focuses largely to, uh, on, on, on black history and so forth and, and, and celebrates the, that, that culture. However, the more integration we have in schools, which is reflective of our community, and the more our communities are integrated, I believe that that is a benefit to all of us because I, I personally believe and hope we can work toward someday a society where we do not identify ourselves as tribes of black, white, Asian, uh, you know, uh, Indian, I... We, Republican, we, Democrat. We, 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 exactly. Well, that's okay. Republicans, oh, okay. We are, we are Americans, and we're American citizens, and I would like to see us educated as to the values of America. Mike, very quickly, and I want to see Terry, that. I, agree, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but when you say colorblind, we live in a colorblind society, I don't yeah. see race. That is like the most ridiculous thing that you can say, because America in this country has made race the focal point of this entire nation. But we that's don't have to country. play along. We don't have to play it, along. It's not playing along. It's just a fact. Well, yeah. It's a fact. When I'm driving so, in the so car, Mike, in, the, in the 1970s, Kansas City was in the top five racially segregated cities by, by residents. Now we've dropped out of the top 20. I mean, there's been a huge demographic change as blacks, middle class moved out and whites moved point back is, in. That should be applauded. And we right? are racial, we it's are much thing. more racial. Right. It is a very All good right. thing. Now over to Kansas. The most potent weapon a governor has is the veto pen, like this one. And Kansas Governor Laura Kelly has no compunction about using it, saying the GOP legislature would decimate the state's ability to pay our bills and invest in our people. Kelly vetoed a measure that would have brought the state more in alignment with the Trump tax cut legislation. The vetoed bill would have also cut the state's sales tax on food. This is Kelly's second veto since becoming governor. So what happens now? 
How will the legislature respond to this, or will it? And we'll start with Denitri. Um, I can tell you right now they are mounting an <coughs> effort to... The, the biggest challenge is they, they have one day to go back to session and t attempt to override, and she did some line-item vetoes that they also um, want to work on as well. Um, the, 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 bu the bill in question that uh, we are speaking about um, was one vote short in the House, uh, override proof the in the Senate it, they have the votes to do it it will start in the house and the question isn't going to be can they override it it's going to be are enough people going to be in Topeka to get there because it's the last day uh, would this measure if adopted save taxpayers money on their taxes generally speaking uh, yes people who itemize as well as anybody who buys would give food. you the option to anybody itemize. who buys food because it, it cuts the sales tax on food was well, that one of Laura Kelly's key points during the campaign that's uh, what she said but I guess that depends on the day of the week this will impact the budget by $245 million. Let's be real about it. And, and, and Kansas has had a problem and, and fallen to a buzzsaw over the last several years with all these made-up tax cuts. These tax cuts will only made take up, care of a Giving few. money back to the people made no, up. No, you're not giving money back to all the people. It's just the no, top. Food food right. No, 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 we're not talking about the food stamps. We're talking about Steve, the uh, Trump tax cuts. Steve, both of these vetoes were about income tax rates. Is that now the dividing line between Republicans and Democrats in Kansas, their attitudes toward state taxes? Well, that's partially it. But what, what drives me to distraction is that liberals uh, like, like Laura Kelly, okay, always talk about how unfair it is that the, the rich only get the benefits. Okay. Sales tax on food is one of the most regressive taxes and hits the poor and the middle class the hardest of anything. Okay. So, so bring us in line with the national, <clears throat> the Trump tax cut, which helps the everybody who pays taxes, okay, which gives us a benefit, which was a quirk in the, a loophole in the Trump thing, which didn't filter down to Kansas. And secondly, the most important thing is this tax bill that she's vetoing would help the poor and middle class more than any other tax but bill. But Steve, the sales tax on food was added as a sweetener to but it's there. To, what does it to, there? to bribe her that's into going there. along with tax cuts for the made. very wealthy. Uh, that's how the sausage is made. Because the wealthy want, benefit I, 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 most I, I, by hey, sales tax on food. Hang, hang on. I, want, I want something near and dear to Art's heart. Uh, the Kansas <laughs> State Supreme Court is about to make a decision on school finance, whether to go along with what the legislature and governor approved or, as usual, say it's not enough money. You told me, I think, before we started taping the program, you thought the court was going to go along with the legislature. That's just a guess. That's not based on any particular knowledge or information. I only know, I'm a Missouri lawyer. I only know about this from reading about it uh, online in the media. Uh, it's just a guess that I... Th Does it bother you a state Supreme Court decides how much money the education system gets? No, not, gets? not, not at all. The Constitution Does in Kansas... Does it bother you, Steve? It has the <laughs> word adequate. Unconstitutional. No court well, who should can be deciding adequate? budget issues. No. It should be the legislature. But somebody the word adequate as the oh. education is in the Constitution. Before we run out of time, you were... Actually, spoke, that's not true. Suitable's in the Constitution. You were the, the spokesperson for Chris Kobach during the campaign for governor. Y yes. Uh, he's had a couple of, of stories in the news. Can you summarize them real quickly? <laughs> uh, sure. So he um, met Ouch. with the White House about um, potentially serving in some sort of role to oversee immigration policy. I wouldn't believe everything that you've read about him um, of late. Um, it appears that the job that was offered was given to uh, Ken Cuccinelli, yeah. a former Virginia governor. Right. I don't believe it was the same and, exact job. And, that and was. apparently a Republican committee, a national committee, has 
come forward and said we can't support Kobach if he runs for and the I'll Senate? And I'll say this, I suspect he will run for Senate, and it's not up to the swamp to decide who Kansas sends to the U.S. Senate. You heard it here. Go, folks. Chris. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to head to the soapbox for Roast and Toast, where the Ruckettes have 30 seconds each to motivate, stimulate, or contemplate. Let's start with Arthur Benson. Well, uh, I would be tempted to boast Kobach for running for Senate, but I won't. Uh, instead, I would like to salute Article 3 of the Constitution, the judiciary, and the rule of law. I think if anything is going to preserve our democracy, it's going to be our courts. Is that it? That's it. Sure. Uh, you're an attorney and you were brief. Uh, Terry. Uh, okay. Well, before the Lincoln thing came up, uh, I was just going to give a... A shout out to Soiree. It's a new uh, restaurant on 18th and Vine. Awesome food. But I want to give a shout out to my son, Noah. He just got accepted to Lincoln Academy. Congratulations. So he'll be attending Lincoln. Did you go there? No, I went to Southeast High School. All right. Denitri? So I want to give an absolute toast to a group called... uh, there's a better way, Shawnee, vote no. They recently voted down a community center in Shawnee, well, Shawnee, Shawnee. that was, it was $38 million, it was going to increase property taxes, and they won by, uh, it was a landslide. 72% of the voters said, no thanks, don't raise our taxes, we need roads, we need fire protection, we need, they, they said, they put needs over wants, and in a huge number, there's been a, what I would call an arms race in Johnson County Community Center building, and I hope this is a ceasefire. This March All right, ceasefire. Steve Morakian. The Democratic Party, now led by my gal AOC, is conspiring to ensure Donald Trump's re-election. I'm proud of him. Forget about possible war with Iran and trade war with China. Here are the top three priorities of the top ten Democratic nominees. Free health care for all, including illegals. Say goodbye to your Medicare, old folks. The Green New Deal, of course. Say goodbye to your car and your air conditioner. And my personal favorite, let's have slave reparations because we all know that Oprah really needs some financial aid. Great priorities, folks. Does the name George McGovern ring a bell? Yes, it does. I remember him. And finally, here is a toast to the Rand Corporation for its recent report that says U.S.-based journalism has gradually shifted away from objective news and relies heavily on argumentation and advocacy. In other words, news that reflects more opinion than pure fact. The study is important because it confirms what we already know. And the best part of the report is its title, (laughs) Truth Decay. And that is Ruckus for this week. We're off for a couple of weeks back on June the 13th at 7. Now for the Ruckets and the crew, Mike Shannon saying thanks very much for watching and good night. Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Fred and Lou Hartwig family. Peter and Barbara Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize, and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees. And by viewers like you. Thank you.